0: Hi everyone, and thank you very much for joining us for this month's podcast. I am really honoured to have with me Sapna Shah, a partner at Nova Star Ventures, Paulo Hager, who is a senior director for Africa for New Forests, Asif Nirani, who is an investment and manager for Africa for INP, which is an investment and partner, um, a French PE fund. And then we were supposed to be joined by Frank Dio from Amethyst, but unfortunately, Frank is ill. And so um, it'll just be the three of us. But I'll answer his questions. He's he's very kindly agreed to already prepare the, the answers for us, which is, you know, extremely kind. Thanks, Frank. Um, so off the back of attending um, the Africa. PE conference in Senegal and also I'll be speaking at the annual EAVCA conference this year I thought it's good to unpack PE which is private equity in Africa and see where we are going what's happening the developments um, fundraising deal structuring what does it mean to be a PE fund um, in this market in in this climate in this year and so Sapna Asif and Paul are the perfect people to unpack this for us and so I'm really really glad that you guys are here Welcome.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first of all, I always want to ask, how did you get into PE? Because you know it's a very specific area of law. It's a very specific area of of investment, a type of investment. And I know, Sapna, you're going to tell me that you do VC and not PE. Yes. How did you How did you get into this whole investment space?
1: Um, I can start. Yes. Mary. I. I'm from Kenya and I moved back 10 years ago my background is in banking mostly in the UK but around the world and so when I moved back I wanted to see what else I could do yeah and I landed um, it really was landing. I was sort of looking to see what else uh, there was. Uh, and I landed in the impact investing space yeah. uh, with an organization called Acumen. So I was there for three years and I've now been with Novastar uh, for seven.
0: Oh, amazing, amazing. And did you always know that it was something that you were passionate passionate so what about? I,
1: um, what I'm passionate about is entrepreneurs and how we can support entrepreneurs. Um, so they're the heroes of the story. They do the hard work. Yeah. So how can we support them? to do that difficult work. And capital is one of those areas. Great,
0: and and it has an impact. Um, Asif, tell us your story.
1: Yeah, so I always
2: wanted actually to get into some area of investment. And I started off life in computer science, then in accounting, Uh, and accounting didn't interest me enough. (laughs) Uh, And I found that in investing, you had all of that coming uh, and, and, be brought together into into one area uh, that you could impact various things in. Yeah. Um, and I studied partly in South Africa, partly in the UK. Came back to Kenya just like uh, Sapna about yeah. ten years ago, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, having been born here. And really, it it was to get into the uh, an opportunity to change uh, certain things in what Sapna is describing African entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, and started uh, by uh, seeking an internship at an organization called Fanisi Capital, where, where Paul was.
0: Where Paul was. So yeah. so you guys have a history. <laughs> have a history. Yeah.
2: Uh, and this was nine years ago. Um, so I spent seven years at Fanisi. Yeah. Uh, and then have spent two years at INP leading the East Africa.
0: Well, clearly it's worked out since you're now leading at INP yeah. and you've left Paul behind. So, Paul, tell us your story. <laughs> 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 so, yes,
3: I know I see from um, a common history somewhere. yeah so my entry into this world, um, where did it start? I, um, I went to business school and at business school, I... Took uh, liking for this professor, he liked me as well, and he just so happened to be a finance professor. Yeah. Um, I must say prior to that, I never thought of finance as as something I wanted to do. Yeah. From an engineering background, um, so following business school, I then decided to pursue corporate finance, which was what was happening in this part of the world then. There was a much investment activity, had the NEP funds, so I worked with the big four, PwC, um, and I travelled across Africa, but just seeing the things that I saw, I got very interested in investment activity, how money worked, how capital flowed, Um, and it occurred to me that actually a lot of it works through enterprise. So I thought, well, maybe a way of getting involved with enterprise, supporting them, getting to multiply this money and the other um, effects of enterprise would be interesting so then the natural path out of pwc we had built the core skills that were required was to go into investments yeah so that's how i ended up you know in this investment world
0: wow yeah. so an, a long journey but a, but a good one
3: interesting very interesting one and now PwC. you're going
0: to tell us about your cutting edge work that you're doing but before that let's just um for our audience let's disseminate what is the difference between pe and vc satna because I know Asif and <laughs> and, Asif and Frank, actually, from Amethyst, who's not here, they work in, um, with PE funds. You work with VC. Tell us the difference.
1: Um, sure. So, Jerry, we invest in early-stage businesses to start off with. Um, but we take a lot of risk. We're on the lookout for entrepreneurs and business models, innovative business models, that want to change the world yeah. and want to disrupt the sectors that they're in. And for them to do that, it is high stakes. So they're taking a lot of risk. There's a high chance of failure. But if it works, then there is a high chance of success and return at the same time. So that's the world of VC. We are, um, in a way, talent scouts. We're looking for entrepreneurs and innovation that we think can be huge. We don't know whether they'll get there or not, um, but that's the bet we're taking. And at the end of the day, I think the difference between VC and PE is is the types of businesses we end up investing in. Um, they're a lot more innovative in a way and riskier, um, and the type of risk that we're willing to take. We, yeah. we're willing to take more risk, and we see a lot of failure.
0: And and a lot of success, I guess, because you you're still around. So that's a great that's a great thing. The other thing I was going to say is that if you look at the PE and VC space, you're looking at either doing either of the two. So either private equity or venture capital. And then you're then going further to disseminate what kind of sectors you want to be working in, right? So as um you can tell us, because what is your particular focus in INP? You're do- dealing with SMEs, right?
2: Correct. So we're dealing with SMEs and the way we describe <clears throat> uh, INP is an impact fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and impact has many different facets. Um, but really from a PE versus uh, VC standpoint, we fall somewhere in the in, in between, mm-hmm. in the middle of it, where we're looking at early stage, not taking as much risk as uh, Sapna would at Novastar, mm-hmm. but uh, being that bridge between uh, investing together with uh, a fund like Novastar and businesses that are still innovative, uh, but our risk uh, appetite of what can be uh, success or failure, or the number of businesses that can uh, fail within our portfolio uh, would not be as high as, as does. Mm-hmm. Um And when you look at that, uh, we then describe ourselves as an SME investor. And what SME is also quite wide. Is yeah, businesses it's businesses it's It's got a wide portfolio, wide, wide yeah. Wide portfolio mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. look. Um, but it's really businesses that are going to uh, Again, change something within uh, the sector uh, that they're operating in, and are going to be uh, catalyzing the 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 overall change within uh, the space in which they operate or the country in which they mm-hmm. operate, and going to eventually become a, a corporate that's going to be around for the next. 100
0: 200 years amazing amazing i mean the the promise is always there right uh the 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 potential and the, the the want to develop and structure is always there if you talk to amethyst and frank has given us his answer he's saying that they want to make sure that the quality of the work that entrepreneurs are doing in terms of esg so this is environmental social governance uh is is the standard is higher yeah so that's where their focus lies and it's very close to them but when you're looking at at, at Paul new forest how have you guys identified and then said this is the kind of area that we want to go to because you tell us about a bit more about what you guys are doing in fact
3: yeah so at new forests we um, um how would they describe us We are not VC. we are we're also a bit of an operating company and 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 what we basically look at is sustainable landscapes yeah and um even though we are called new forests just forestry happens to be anchoring these landscapes but um we we see the landscapes as being um sort of um, how can i describe it um we have to look at it in its entirety because it's all you know, the base, that the best of it is land, part mm-hmm. of which could be forest, could be agriculture, could be other things, and we have to figure out the best use of, of, of our landscapes. At the heart of it is um, what we call natural solutions or nature-based solutions, um, which is at the heart of climate change at, at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and what scientists and, and, you know, people around the world are saying is, we can remove emissions on the one hand, but we must also go back and solve the problem that we are trying to solve by removing emissions, mm-hmm. which was just distorting nature in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we can keep chasing reductions, but if we don't rebalance nature, we can, it becomes a problem that never gets solved. So yeah. the heart of it is trying to balance um, nature. Um, now the, the, the particular platform that we're running in Africa is um, uh, Evergreen. Yeah. Um, it's set out to solve the problems for, for for SAPNA and the SIF by being sort of the ultimate home for companies that are, that are in this nature-based space. Yeah. So we, we are a buyout fund essentially um, that provides a long-term...
0: What, what does fund buyout sh- fund mean?
3: Meaning that we buy out companies that are relatively mature. We call them and build them further. And so, is- you, so
0: you're not talking about a PE investment, you're talking about a majority shareholder. Yes,
3: we take majority mm-hmm. shareholders. But having said that... We also have a Mm sub-facility which is set out to do early-stage investing, so closer to VC and SME to develop some of the smaller businesses that, you know, are not yet, you know, mature for that and and that we run alongside the co-fund.
0: Yeah, but I think what what I'm trying to get get to is that you can you can decide to be a PE, yeah. you can also decide to be a VC, and then you can go further and say what type of PE you want to yeah. be and what type of VC you want to be. Yeah. Yes. Um, INP is saying that they're doing SME the, in the SME space. Amethyst is saying they're doing the ESG space, and you're saying that you're doing the uh, evergreen is it the evergreen space yes you can't right? it evergreen. Yes. okay so now now that we're talking about that when you look at uh, where africa is and where we're positioned all of us um we're still talking about the potential that africa has in all of these spaces why are we still talking about that as opposed to affecting it am i getting it wrong asif
2: so if you look at the general uh, funding that comes to africa and it's grown for the last 10 years Grown consistently, uh, and if you look at the amount of funding that came into the PE and, and VC space uh, in the first quarter of this year, was equal or more than what happened the entire of last year. Yeah. But it's still probably one percent, one to two percent of the global uh, investment space and private equity venture capital space. Uh, even with all of that growth, one um,
0: percent is very small. It's tiny. Yeah. It's mm-hmm.
2: tiny for a population. You know we. Africa has twenty percent of the world's population, and yet one percent of the the world's total funding that goes into investments. And really, the the, the core of it is: for a long time, we have been uh, in a situation where we're trying to first solve uh, the very basic issues that we have yeah. before you even think about, you know, how our uh, your general population. Uh, you know 80% of your population are they going to be able to afford the products that you're investing in in the first place correct Um, and that lies at the heart of it Mm -hmm. so uh, a common man on 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 in the streets in Kenya or Ghana or Nigeria or whatever is first thinking about what's my next meal where my next meal is going to come from rather than how am I going to afford to save or how am I going to do you know one two three things
0: or go on a wild goose chase for a venture exactly. capital investment <laughs> so sapna tell us can you be a vc and make money in this space
1: absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um and it's really linked to what asef is saying so the way that we think about things um as at novastar as a vc is investing in the businesses that are exactly addressing those large problems that people have mm-hmm. on the continent yeah mm-hmm. and those large problems are Where's my next meal? How am I going to get healthcare? How am I going to get my child educated? And those are the types of investments we're investing in that are disrupting the sectors, enabling them to be affordable, accessible, more innovative. Um, examples are things like uh, Bridge International Academies, Penda Health, M Pharma, iProcure. And so when these companies, when they figure it out, and they are able to address that. Yeah. They will have millions of customers on the continent. Yeah. And can you imagine how interesting that is for a strategic investor? Rather than starting from scratch, think, I don't know, Unilever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rather than starting from scratch, trying to access those consumers, they may as well buy the the businesses that we've invested in so that they can have access to those consumers straight away. Um, and that's how we make money, at mm-hmm. the point of exit. Amazing. Now. These companies that we're investing in, the ones that are doing well, they could be IPOing on international exchanges as well. You know, that's the imagination, and that's we'll the, get the there.
0: hope is that they get there, right? Yes. correct. Yeah. And and I, we hope to see that as well. You know, as lawyers, that's that, that's what we want ultimately. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk about the current climate poll, and and a bit about what the COVID pandemic has meant to investing and the ability to fundraise. What have you seen, given the fact that New Forest is is relatively new in this in this uh, market?
3: Yeah, so, so I think um, when COVID started, I th- it's not just our sector, I think everybody was in confusion as to, you know, how the world would look after during and after COVID. Um, I think there was a period of uncertainty, a lot of people stopped deploying, um, just trying to figure out, you know, you couldn't do due diligence, we did not work via Zoom then, we we're used to meeting face to face. But I think um, what I've seen over the last 12 months, possibly a bit longer, is there's a renewed energy. You yeah. Know, there's a lot more interest. Um, it's almost like people are working on pent-up, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes. energy. And, and, and there's a lot of, um, I mean, even just within Nairobi, you know, lots of investors flying in and out now. We've seen a lot of interest even in new forests from new LPs from different parts of the world that yeah. are looking into into Africa in particular. Yeah. Um, so, so the energy for me is actually much bigger than it was even pre-COVID we've obviously figured, figured out new ways of doing deals. Um, you know, I've been dealing with investors in Europe for the last, you know, over 12 months and some of them I've never met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but somehow we figured out a way to, to work with, with what's available. Um, and and yeah, and the new way of working has just come about. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even hopping back to what you said about um, PE and VC being involved in critical or essential services, as if um, now, are we going to see a renewed energy for new types of investments, as opposed to those that are just, um, you know, bridging the gap between what is essential um, and and what is needed in the African continent?
2: I think, at the heart of. Uh, making money and creating an impact uh, is in fact the essential services, uh, because if you think about it, what does, what does somebody in, in Kenya or in Africa need? A shelter, food, or access to food, uh, access to decent healthcare, access to decent education, uh, and access to some finance and some savings, etc., or, or, or loans. To actually build their business, and we're quite entrepreneurial as yeah. as, as Kenyans and as Africans. So, uh, why want? Why do you want to then shift? And that's the that's the the mindset is why shift necessarily to uh, something else apart from the big real issues that we have, mm. where uh, if you get them right, uh, you can change how uh, we do things and you're able to also be quite financially successful yeah
0: but the point is that i guess in an ideal world we wouldn't still be talking about these essential services to the point where um, they're still needed yeah mm-hmm. investments can move beyond that to things that are you know as you know aspirational for the african continent but i guess maybe what you're saying is that we're not yet there but um, i would
1: say can i say yeah, something yes go, go Jay, ahead, so that that it's mm-hmm. It's everywhere in the, around the world, like, whatever that is, right, mm-hmm. that, that's all the sort of consumption that happens. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we just consume sort of more of that as part of our um, basket of goods. Yeah. Right, compared to elsewhere, that that's just a factor. Yeah. What I think is really exciting is the fact that we can leapfrog business models, right? And we I think that is very exciting. We don't need to copy yes. and paste what has yes. happened elsewhere, because mm-hmm. actually we've seen some of the mistakes that have happened elsewhere, yeah. you yeah. know, um, environmental impacts that are not accounted for and, and what have you. And so that's the innovation. And and pesa here in Kenya has shown us that. And we're seeing that in different yes. uh, businesses as well. So it's it's it sounds or why are we just doing basic goods and services <laughs> yeah but the entrepreneurs we back are thinking about them in very different and
0: ways. i think that is the exciting yeah. thing so yeah. if even sapna let's talk about uh, novastar you recently invested in an electric vehicle business i mean that is exciting in itself yes. because it's it's a, it's yeah. an essential service uh as if will we'll confirm yeah. but it's also one that is changing the and uh, disrupting that um yeah. space for public vehicles as well exactly. tell us a bit about that
1: so And Jerry, you're talking about Bazigo, we're really excited to have invested in uh, Bazigo earlier this year. Mm -hmm. It's an electric uh, bus company and really looking to change the way uh, public transport in African cities works. Um, The EV space is very exciting here in Kenya, there's a lot of things happening um, on the two-wheeler, three-wheeler, you know, bus space, especially because if we think about it, globally there is this move towards Thinking about our consumption and uh, And how we consume, how how climate friendly or not it is. Correct.
0: Paul will tell us that. Yes, (laughs) exactly.
1: And Mm -hmm. there are billions of dollars that have gone into mobility and shifting mobility into something greener than what we have right now with our petrol. Um, And here in Kenya, especially, we are... I think, around 75% renewable mm-hmm. in terms of how we generate our power. Amazing. So if we can do it here, that is a model for the rest of the world.
0: Correct. And then that is how we will disrupt and leapfrog a- ahead of other exactly. um, countries. So yes, thank you so much. And so, sorry, help. if people
1: are looking at what's uh, an interesting sector to invest in, definitely have a look at uh, EVs EV. in Kenya.
0: Yeah, it, it, I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen it ourselves, um, you know, in, in <laughs> working-wise. Go ahead, I yeah. oh, And I think...
2: Uh, one of the things that really is, is a catalyst to that change when you're looking at essential uh, services and products is the, the injection of technology into it. Yes. Yeah. And, and that really is, is what helps yeah. uh, us leapfrog. Uh, you know, and, and the ability to, if you just look at how cost of internet has dropped over the last 10 years, yeah. has helped us you know, uh, uh, grow the current fintech yeah uh, space and, and, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know uh, including things like EV and all of that
0: yeah I mean that technology we will come to because I think that's an a, an essential part but I wanted to go back to you um Paul, just to tell us a bit about you're talking about these green investments um ha- can you give us a solid example of something that you've done recently that that our audience can um okay. identify with
3: okay, so um we've obviously started um from what's Sort of most easily definable, which yeah. is forestry. Yeah. And and, and right now we uh um we've acquired and beginning to expand some forestry activities in Uganda, Tanzania, Mozambique, um and and this is primarily for the timber markets. Um,
0: so 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 building and then selling off the trees is that it? Well, we process as well. Processing so, so we a Full okay. value
3: chain. Okay. Anything along the forestry landscape.
0: and where where is the actual where is the investment and where is the return
3: okay so 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 the investment is in actual trees okay it has to sit on land we are less interested in the land though we're more interested in the trees and and the reason we do this is because when you look at um, the whole climate space forestry is at the heart of it yeah africa has almost 20 percent of the world's natural forests um which are quickly getting depleted yeah um and, and and what we do is we come in and do commercial forestry, which globally is about ten percent of forest cover, but contributes about seventy eighty percent of you know timber. And so what we're trying to say is to conserve natural forests. Can we do commercial forestry on smaller spaces yeah. to fill up you know what was being taken you know by by natural forest so that we conserve natural forests? But it doesn't stop there within the forestry space, we do anything innovative that allows for other for trees to be held on the ground longer, working with small growers who can also, you know, make use of their land, yeah. by, you know, planting trees, holding them longer, um, being off takers for that. We also work with some of the communities to develop carbon projects, because they have land neighboring some of these forests. Forestry by nature is a rural product. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So we work with the communities around to give them uh, livelihoods, one which is just carbon. we also within the so and
0: and in that carbon are you talking about carbon offsetting or carbon credits
3: both carbon credits and carbon offsetting okay yeah, all right whatever the market and that particular place mm-hmm. offers mm-hmm. there's a lot of work in the carbon space um it's 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 a high value market right now yeah <laughs> and that's why you see a lot of money coming into the space Yeah. but it's it's it it takes a lot of work and credibility to to put it together
0: yeah where is the return for for investe for your for your I guess your GPS.
3: Yeah, so the return for us, the the primary product is uh, as it is on the core fund is um, just timber markets. Okay. But we we know that um, carbon prices around the world are growing rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, There are two kinds of markets: there's voluntary and, and. which, which is what we have in Africa and regulated yeah. in a lot of developed markets. Yeah. So we are still trying to figure out in the voluntary markets like Africa how to do this at scale. Yeah. Um, and the investors are interested in that return,
0: okay, I <laughs> which see. we
3: expect to come right. on top of, of, the, of the timber markets. I guess the key question becomes at what point do you stop selling timber? And,
0: and, and then yes. just do the, the carbon offsetting yes, and carbon credits. Get, you get know, timber yeah. to build our
3: houses. Yeah. So it's a tricky yeah. sort of trade-off we love to yeah. get to.
0: But yours is a, a very specific type of um, return because it's based on land and land management in the forestry yes, um, sector. It, it,
3: yes, it is. So forestry by nature around the world was, was um, driven by pension funds Okay. because it's not different from real estate. It was stable returns, not very high, but I see. steady cash flows. Um, it was also a hedge against inflation because um, it com- correlates to nothing else in the world. Not Correct. to interest rates, not to... Um, you know, if the value of a tree today is $1 because trees sold in volumes, if the market tanks today, you keep it on the ground, next year that tree has doubled in size, it's doubled in value, the markets come back up, you sell it and recover, you know, the time lost. So it's had no correlation to to any markets. So it's been interesting for long-term investors who want sustainable cash flows. Pension funds have really liked it. And other asset managers who are looking for long-term stable returns.
0: I mean this, this is very interesting for, for for us because it's something that we've not seen um, as lawyers in the market yet so it they, will be interesting to see how it how it plays out yeah. for you and, Sab- and okay. Jerry,
1: just you know on the continent because we we're talking about previously sort of the africa sort of rising type of story yeah you know we have huge um, potential when it comes to forests, huge potential. Right. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of land that can be used in yeah. a really effective way. So and, I'm sure,
0: and I'm sure, and I'm sure new forests are tapping into all of that. Yeah.
3: Yes, yeah. I think for for us the key and why we've come in at this time is because we we feel that um, and why we've set up also as a you know large cap buyout fund is because we feel that to be able to put this sector in order we need one large player who can mm-hmm. begin to sort of aggregate, yeah. build scale. Um, be able to negotiate with regulators where mm. we need support, yeah. and, and for that you just need scale. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a large fund. Um, hopefully, get to a billion dollars. Amazing. Um, so that we can then begin to drive the sector and let mm. let it flourish. Amazing. Yeah. Um,
0: is that not, how do you deal with? The question for you, I guess now, with high valuations and people always criticizing the fact that these valuations are falling out of the sky for uh, VCs, which are un, un-risked or not de-risked as yet. Um, how are you dealing with that um, in this current climate?
1: Um, so before I say how I'm dealing with it, just a little bit of background. Um, as have talked about it, there isn't enough capital coming yeah. into the region, mm-hmm. right? We, we get a tiny sliver of global uh, capital flows. And, but 2021 was a bit of a like boom year for a VC uh, mm-hmm. on the continent mm-hmm. um, and because of that and you see capital coming in uh, from the large VCs in the west including um, you know Tiger Global, SoftBank etc it basically makes it competitive and yeah. it drives up prices yeah. and valuation is just that I mean of course there's it's fundamentals yeah. of your business but mm-hmm. you know if I want that asset, and so does Paul. We start negotiating, yeah. and it drives up the price. That's mm. what that's what's happened in 2021, mm. and in particular, there's certain sectors where it's happened, fintech, um, especially big. in mm. Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, those are some of the things that are happening on the continent. Yeah. And so, look, as a VC, we are. It's not a short-term thing. We're here for the long run, right? So we make a call whether we think it's worth making an investment at that valuation or not. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, in order to play in the game, we say, okay, we wouldn't have done it two years ago, but this year it's a really good asset. We'll go in, right? Yeah. So we have to adjust and we have to figure out what's happening in the market. This quarter, we're already seeing a little bit of a correction. And that's because global, you know, global... Um, economies uh, global VC is, is starting to cool down a little yeah. bit. so we're seeing it here as well mm-hmm. um, and that's always going to be the case you know at the end of the day if we have more capital coming into the region um, more businesses to invest in from a like scale perspective it'll correct itself
0: yeah I mean I mean that's a good that's a good point it depends on the economics at the time um Liv, if we're looking to the future now um and you're looking at an investee company as if what would you tell them in order to, to be able to attract those large valuations or even in interest from PE funds? What would you say?
2: I think the biggest uh, thing that a private equity or a venture capital investor looks for is the quality of the entrepreneur's execution. Because if you have that and the ability, so depending on, on where you're playing, early stage or later stage, uh, the, the uh, proof of execution uh, might already have been shown or, or not yet. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is the ability to go out and convince investors, in fact, that this is the right type of business. And this is I uh, have the right team uh, to, to play the long game. Uh, and then that uh, together with the size of the market, because you might be either in a very niche, product or mm-hmm. niche markets mm-hmm. or maybe sometimes even too early for the market, mm-hmm. and the, you know the judgment you know those are all judgment calls but that is now what we need to start looking at mm-hmm. apart from the uh, you know the fundamentals and things like that which must work which are obvious but these are them the ones
0: that come. and yeah. then for you um Sapna, when you're looking at a vc you've invested in it and you know it's gone well when are you deciding on the exit is that already pre-planned or pre-gamed or how do you do it
1: um it's difficult to be pre-planned <laughs> because you, know, we really you don't, don't know. know what the journey yeah. is going to be right that's the whole point mm-hmm. of going in early um f- our thesis is that actually to prove that venture on the continent works we're going to have to be in there for a reasonably long time because the companies that are really doing well you want to exit as late as possible because yeah. that's where the value is that's where the ipo you, might be that's mm-hmm. where the ipo might be that's where the huge strategic sale may be yeah. Yeah. and so so there's a temptation to say oh you know we can double our money earlier on but actually we can 10x later and so that's the sort of discussions that mm-hmm. we're having internally is like do we hold mm-hmm. or do we sell mm-hmm. um and and that's what vcs around the world will do yeah. mm-hmm. um we're just vc on the continent is so nascent and yeah. so it's mm. yet to be proven what is going to happen and how it's going to work yeah. out. Mm. Um, and I'm really excited to be part of that yeah. journey. Yeah. But and just to add, sorry. Yeah, Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. but I think
3: that the, the, the timeframes, sometimes we sort of judge ourselves ourselves too harshly here. The timeframes we are seeing, to be frank, are not too different from what even Silicon Valley timeframes yes. would normally be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and in Africa, we have the additional challenge of building an enterprise and building the markets at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, and the enterprise can only go as quick as, you know, the market, and so sometimes a lot of money we're putting into this enterprise Mm -hmm. is really for market adoption, for transforming customers from one product to another, and that doesn't happen in five years, Mm
0: -hmm. it -hmm.
3: takes, you know, (laughs) longer than that
0: so there's a question that i wanted to ask frank but since he's not here i'm going to ask you <laughs> on the the long-term changes that you're looking at for in your investment approach are you looking at it differently now that we're post-covid than before and is there something that else that we you can advise on um what is looking attractive to you in the market now
2: so i think COVID has changed um the way we work and the way we look at things
0: so should, um, I, should I tell you what frank's answer was Frank's answer was just to help you along. <laughs> Frank's answer was on service and tech-driven companies. That's where he's his focus on. Anything different from that?
2: No, quite similar actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way we've changed uh, how we work as as funds and how entrepreneurs work and how we relate to them, uh, we've entered a new world where I don't think we're going back. Yeah. Uh, in, in many different aspects. Um, and that has a lot of positives, one in, in just efficiency and how it works, but also uh, in terms of time and also uh, reducing the carbon uh, footprint of, of flying around every month. Yeah. Uh, so that has changed. And then the infusion of technology. Uh, I mean, we talked about what m has done. And that... It has been a long time coming but the acceleration is just excellent and and today uh, if you break down and it's happened to me if, if you break down uh, somewhere along uh, Nairobi and Nakuru you can actually pay uh, through M-Pesa, get a, a new engine for example and it get it delivered and it get it delivered <laughs> somewhere on the road get it fixed within 24 hours which you cannot even do somewhere in Europe or the US that's
0: maybe, that's yeah. probably true yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the way that we are actually approaching ourselves as individuals right Paul and maybe sapna you can chip in on that. so you've heard of the great resignation where people are no longer willing to stay in a 9 to 5 just for the sake of it and it's yeah. not that interesting to be doing a boring job that you know yeah. is not going to give you value or whatever you see value as and how does that then affect your ability to attract um, investee companies or even you know the people that you are transacting with and even for you the VCs maybe they're not willing to be um, as patient as other VC companies were at the, at the start of the game um, so how, what is the approach that we need to take now that we know that you know we're dealing with a different generation?
3: Yeah I, I, I um. First of all when my kids tell me about generations they you know they list i don't know what generation i think we're, <laughs> we're generations now. Z, right i think yeah but i think they are now on to another generation yeah. and, mm-hmm. and each you know comes with its own i don't know how it happens but its own characteristics that are able mm-hmm. to be profiled and i don't know if there's much that you can do about changing them so but i think you can do something about changing the environment that we create for whichever generation um, I think one of the things that, for example, COVID has taught us is that we can actually, you know, work from home. Yeah. You know, work from different spaces and still be productive. I, I think at the heart of it for me is really how to get what you want out to, out of the, you know, your human capital. How to get them more productive, um, and the sooner you figure that out, the better. But it just means that also you must clearly define the culture that you want to build and the style that you want to build so that when you go to find these people, yeah. <laughs> they are of that culture and, and, and that profile and you're not trying to get a different sort of fit and, and trying to retrofit it. We, the market in Kenya has changed rapidly, um, again, with time, obviously. Um, we, there was a time when everyone wanted to work, you know, a multinational, there's a time when, prior to that, everyone wanted to be in government. Yeah. Um. And and now we're seeing people leaving school and just wanting to do something for themselves. Correct. To be creative. Yeah. Uh, we can't invest in all of them, but they can each contribute in their own ways to, to the enterprises that we're building. And 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 you know you can find that. Look, I'm setting up this company. Maybe I don't need to have the IT in house. I can outsource it to this group of mm-hmm. you know, young kids out of college who are very good at it and they enjoy working the way they work but they can deliver that service to me. So we really have to refigure how we get you know, what we want from them rather than trying to put everyone into an office you know, and say you here yeah. 8 to 5. Correct, yeah. correct.
1: Sapna? So I think the the big change that's also I think COVID has highlighted is that and it was already happening but we, can, we really see people saying actually just making money doesn't work mm-hmm. and the selfishness yeah. of that doesn't work. So, how actually can we run society in a way that is more equal? And this young people trying different things around that. And we, as Novastar, will figure out the ones that can create the impact but also create the returns but overall that is such a bonus we'll see entrepreneurs that want to fix the environment you know we may not be here in 10 years if uh, if this global warming goes the rate that it's going yeah and and that's the excitement um and trying to harness that mm-hmm. whether it's in the employees we um, hire whether it's in the entrepreneurs we back or just the ecosystem yeah um, I think there's there's a lot of potential yeah, yeah.
0: I also wanted to talk a bit about the, the type of documentation that we're currently using so I've just concluded my first safe transaction using safe documentation <laughs> why are you laughing I mean it was a new thing for me because it's completely standardized and um, the only thing that was negotiated was a side letter and it was much more like a shareholders agreement in terms of, of its contents so um, are we change? Are you looking at safe documentation? Are you? I don't know. Um, as if if you if you've looked at that, and uh, and what is it about the transaction documentation that is going to make it more straightforward for investment purposes?
1: Sapna? So a safe stands for a simple agreement <laughs> for future equity, and I'm highlighting yes. those words: simple mm-hmm. and future equity. Um, and it was created because um, it was created by Y Combinator, um, an accelerator in in the US, for. Uh, entrepreneurs to have a very easy contract, Correct. early stage entrepreneurs to have a very easy contract with investors so they don't have to spend um, months negotiating things. Now, on the investor side, that makes it harder. It's very standardized. But as Novostar, there's certain sort of investor protections um, that most investors in this continent will need. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't feature there. Um, so I think there's something in between where, yes, you can use a safe as a standard a contract but then you have to have some things added in the site so letter. yeah but like, it makes it faster um definitely it's, faster it's much more mm. entrepreneur friendly
0: mm, mm. but and we just need to look at whether or not there's there's a, some there's a stop gap between the traditional due diligence spa type documentation and then now the safe which is very very easy asif have you looked into this
2: so we we have considered a couple of uh, safe investments haven't made an uh, investment through safe yeah we tend to have the same issue uh, which many funds will have in in that there's particular protections that you want which the safe doesn't uh doesn't uh, have a feature in yeah uh there's a new uh in fact a new safe um uh format uh that's a bit more investor friendly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More, more than before um which i haven't looked at personally myself, what's it called Still safe, Oh, still but safe, yeah, but, yeah, but but just that safe two point <laughs> whatever <Basically, laughs> yeah, <yes>. yeah. <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so so at the end of the day, you can negotiate anything really, so you don't have to stick to the standard safe document, you can have a side letter or you can edit and put certain things that you need, so long as there's agreement, but the idea is to be to be faster, um the major problem actually comes. Because many of the you know for us around the table this is our everyday work, we understand what the terms are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's there's an information asymmetry between us and the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and that's where the 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 big issue is, and that's what then we need to correct, by entrepreneurs also having the right lawyers on their side, mm-hmm. um and it but it's it's all in in that I think we are still a bit away from having this, the, the, the standard eighty twenty type of yeah. agreement. Yeah. But we will get there in the next yeah. you know, three, four years.
0: Yeah, I think that the toughest part is um, the, the entrepreneur who is wanting to do the investment, but doesn't necessarily understand the risk profile uh, that the investor is trying to, to cater for. And I think that's the, where the push and pull is. Mm-hmm. In terms of your documentation, you're taking a majority stake, so yeah. you are just bulldozing your way through, <laughs> that, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean I don't know if I'd say the world <laughs> would we, <we're laughs> for us <actually, a> <laughs> Exactly by <laughs> putting a lot of money into people's hands and just yeah. rewarding them for, for for the hard work. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, so for us it's fairly simple on that end. Um because it's really you're buying out, you know, mm. founders, you're buying out um, shareholders, so it's really a simple agreement, just yeah. guarantees and indemnities is what matters. Yeah. But where our complexity will come is in the end we're trying to build a product, you know, above these assets that we can make as a financial instrument mm. for, for, for long term investors. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's where we'll then need to do a lot more thinking in converting this into some sort of forestry rates, I don't know. Wow, uh, I'd love, love or to. Or something see that a, yeah. just allows our pension funds to invest okay. in nature while having some stable annuity a yeah. real asset that they can actually
0: wow. go and see. Yeah, that's, so, that's a completely to yeah. reeds. I've never even heard of yeah, that. So yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. So a final question for all of you. If you had a wish list for your future deals, or if you want to disclose the deals now, we're happy to <laughs> listen. Um, what would What would be on that wish list? Um, let's say for the, for the end of the year.
3: So a wish list for? The,
0: the, the kind of deal that you want to see in this market, the kind of deal that you would ideally want to do.
3: Okay. Yeah, so for us, I think um, the kind of deal that we'd like to do for now is still anchored around forestry, yeah. maybe with a lot of conservation area in there as well, because yeah. we have a deep heart for conservation, um, possibly where we have um, some, um, touching some livelihoods, so if it's say, a large forestry plantation with some outgrower schemes that touches on the, on the sort of communities around, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, <coughs> and that is ready, you know, to be bought out mm-hmm. completely. Um, We also are looking for where that comes with a bit of, so that's sort of brownfield forestry, but with a bit of greenfield potential, because we also keen to add as many trees as possible to the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's really what we're looking for. Deal size, we have, I think one of the few funds, platforms that almost has an open check, you
0: know? Wow. There's no
3: limitation on... Wouldn't deal that size. be nice,
0: Sapna? <laughs> <laughs> Paul will talk. Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, we obviously have sweet spots you know, anything mm. $10 million could go as high as $100 million wow. um, okay. across Africa. We, we are doing this across, across Africa.
0: Yeah, okay. wow. Sapna?
1: Um, I would say sort of, not for this year but just overall, it's continues to be companies that are or entrepreneurs and companies that are thinking of both planet and people and solving for both that's that's where it is and and Jerry the the beauty of what we do is we don't put ourselves in sectors because actually entrepreneurs think across sectors they think widely and we can't imagine what that might be and so we're just talking to entrepreneurs and we'll find that diamond sort of in the rough where they're like oh we're thinking of things so different you're like yes we want to back that
0: yeah amazing IMP
2: so uh, again to be a bit more general uh, than necessarily this year uh, two things uh, one is to start seeing more local founders being funded uh, if you look at our big markets and this is very evident in, in Nairobi in fact yeah. is uh then the amount of funding going to local founders local teams is probably you know less than 10 percent
0: correct yeah. mm-hmm.
2: um and we need to drive that yeah um, so that's one and then the second is to see more investments in the other parts of the East African region. Uh, there's a lot of hype and activity around Nairobi, yeah. which is great because we're based here, but there's also a lot of opportunity in in the other countries around. Uh, and, and I think uh, having more of that would only help, uh, you know, funds that are operating across uh, the the regions. Yeah.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So Frank's answer is um, those companies who are the backbone of the internet revolution. He's looking at data centers, marine cables, landing on, onshore and offshore. So I think that's, you know, the same fintech type, but mm-hmm. deeper as in um, further prolifically. But I think this has been such an excellent conversation. You guys have been so amazing. Thank you so much for bringing your insights, um, for being so open and candid about the market and where we're going. I think it's been a great conversation. So thank you so much. Everyone, see you next month.